Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. I'm Madi Bolaños, and this is the California Report. A class action lawsuit alleges that San Bernardino County Children and Family Services is failing to protect thousands of children under its care. The suit was filed by the nonprofit A Better Childhood. Marcia Lowry is the director. Usually, kids can rely on the adults in their lives for stability and steadiness and guidance. These kids cannot. And many of these kids are also being abused while they're in some of these foster homes. And that's not to say all foster homes are bad. They're not. There are good foster homes. There are good caseworkers, too. They just have too much work to do, and they don't have any relief. Basically, these kids are abandoned. The lawsuit comes after a grand jury report late last year found widespread physical and sexual abuse in San Bernardino's child welfare system. The state is also named in the suit for its lack of oversight of the system. California's Department of Social Services says it can't comment on pending litigation. And in a statement, San Bernardino County said it's in the process of reviewing the complaint. With regards to the grand jury report, the county says many of the findings are not, quote, legally obtainable and built off bits of information without understanding how the agency is mandated to operate by the state. New federal data show overdose deaths in California up slightly. Stephanie O'Neill Patterson of KFF Health News has more. Drug overdoses in California now kill more than twice as many people as car accidents, over four times as many as homicides, and more than either diabetes or lung cancer, according to the consulting group California Health Policy Strategies. State data show the synthetic opioid fentanyl, up to 100 times stronger than morphine, was involved in most overdose deaths. California's efforts to battle the opioid crisis include distributing fentanyl test strips and the overdose reversal drug naloxone. The state also has an awareness campaign tailored to young people and recently called on the National Guard to help detect drug traffickers. While applauding such efforts, drug policy experts say lasting change requires lawmakers to examine and treat underlying causes of addiction. A bill to create a task force is now advancing at the state capitol. 
That was Stephanie O'Neill Patterson of KFF Health News. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, the city of Carmel-by-the-Sea is known for its quaint shops, movie star residents, and bohemian quirkiness. It's that bohemian quirkiness that's causing a controversy in the coastal village. Last fall, a group of residents asked the city to change a 100-year-old tradition. Doug McKnight with KAZU has the update. Robert Blaisdell steps outside the Carmel-by-the-Sea post office into a misty rain. Wearing a black jacket and a baseball cap, he shelters the handful of envelopes just retrieved from his post office box. Blaisdell is forced to make the postal run. Almost every day, not not every day, but most every day. Get my stuff, get my medications. He must go to the post office because there is no home mail delivery. The only building in town with a street address is the post office. And it's been that way since the city was founded. No street address, no home delivery. But Blaisdell says he doesn't mind the daily trips. I love coming to the post office. Why? See see my friends, the ones that are still alive. Blaisdell has lived in Carmel for over 80 years, and his idea of the post office as a gathering place for residents was repeated several times as I spoke with others picking up their mail. Some even called it a sanctuary for locals in a town often filled with tourists. But a resident named Cynthia, she declined to give her last name, was not buying the sanctuary thing. I don't see them serving any alcohol. I don't see a coffee bar. I don't see cookies and candies. I see lots of boxes. It's a post office. She says that while the no address tradition is quaint, it's time to change. The controversy came to a head last fall when several residents complained to the city council at its October meeting. Call this meeting to order. Nova, could I get a roll call, please? A handful of residents lined up to ask the council to develop a consistent system of home and business addresses, even if the addresses are not the regular street addresses. Turns out, mail delivery is not the main concern. Addresses are used for everything from installing utilities to package delivery by companies like FedEx and UPS. And relying on the current method of counting the number of houses from an intersection can cause problems as resident Betty Coolis explained during public comment. I live at uh, Monteverde Street, one northeast of 3rd. Um, if you're a person that counts only houses that face Monteverde Street, I'm at 1. But if you count the home in the corner that doesn't face Monteverde, then Betty's house is number 2, not number 1. So I never get anything delivered um, correctly. Another resident, Lance Anderson, told me a horror story of trying to get utilities installed and a bank account open when he moved to Carmel three years ago. They cannot handle the fact that we do not have physical addresses. They don't accept P.O. boxes. I need to spend 20 minutes on the phone talking to someone and then finally, we even have one bank uh, just saying, sorry, we can't, can't take your account. Emily Gary is the city staff person assigned to find a solution. She says the city is working on an alternative to street addresses, but does not want home delivery of mail. 
In fact, the city sees addresses and home delivery as two separate issues. The holdup is getting the post office to agree. We need something formal from the post office that they understand where we stand because we, we do see them as two separate things. That said, there does need to be some kind of address system that is consistent and easy to explain, like the plot number on your property tax or a geo-positioning location. Not everyone has, you know, two or three hours to sit on the phone just to explain our geographic address and, you know, a little bit of our history to the other person on the line. Back at the post office, villagers are going in and out, exchanging bits of gossip and picking up their mail, the way they've done for over 100 years. In a world of short text messages, emojis, and 15-second TikTok videos, the village of Carmel-by-the-Sea does seem a bit out of place. But then, maybe that's the point. For the California Report, I'm Doug McKnight in Carmel-by-the-Sea. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, May 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org lbca. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.